Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker Podcast with me, Matt. Hey, it's Chris again. Hi, Chris. Hello. You did interviews again, didn't you, Chris? Yes, we did a great interview. What do you offer them? You just, know we can't pay. <laughs> I offer just kindness. <laughs> Shoulder the cry on. Yeah, kindness. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just a, a way of joining hands. Metaphorical movie hands across the airwaves. So who have we got in this week's wonderful interview? Yeah, so this episode I'm talking to Hannah Flint. Hannah Flint is a co-host of the Talk Film Podcast. She's also exceptional film journalist or critic, host of the official Charts Film Chart Show. She'll probably introduce herself though, Chris. <laughs> Hello, this is Chris from the Movie Bunker podcast, and on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by film journalist Hannah Flint. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to Bunker. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. Well, not there. (laughs) <laughs> on the other end of the microphone. We're not in the same room, but there no, you go. No, but with the, the magic of the interweb, we're, we're talking to each other. Um, so you're quite uh, busy these days, aren't you? What, what sort of things do you get involved with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, uh, I was saying that actually. 2018 was quite a um, monumental year for film-wise because I started off as more of a showbiz journalist. and But now, like last two years, it's been mainly focused on film. I work at... Um, so I work at Yahoo Movies a lot. I do a couple of days with them and that's mainly doing interviews or like opinion pieces, news stories. But I also do bits and bobs for um, The Guardian, um, Dazed, uh, Sci-Fi in the US, um, some stuff at Glamour. So bits and bobs, pitching where I can. Uh, and I also do the voiceover for the official film charts, which is the official film charts company's uh, home ends release. So I do the voiceover, which is a lot harder than it sounds, actually. Um, mm. have, you ever, have you ever done... Well, you know, it's different when you're doing kind of having a chat on a podcast, but when you actually have to say words, words are really hard. So <laughs> saying, saying like digitally, it took yeah. me a while to say digitally correctly. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say digitally a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's, yeah, it's quite a lot. So, and, uh, and I also do, um, obviously, my podcast, uh, Talk Film, which is on Talk Radio with uh, Jamie East. So we do weekly film reviews that way. Yeah, so you never really have any time off then. You say that, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because, you know, sometimes I kind of think when I used to have a full-time job where I was working like seven till four and then I'd be good screenings, whereas nowadays it's like, you know, I might have might do like the top end of my week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, might be like busy, busy, busy. But then like Thursday, Friday, I'm just like chill at home, you know. Sometimes it's great, you know. Yeah. I'm in bed and I'm like, right, finish work and it's great. I'm already in bed. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's ups and downs. Do you ever use that time to catch up on anything that you might not have seen or do you just kind of think, Christ, I can't, I couldn't, you can't handle another film or another 90 minutes or two hours worth of movie? No, I'm absolutely obvious. I'm honestly one of these people who just loves film and TV so much. Like today has been really great because as I mentioned to you before we start recording, I went out on Friday night for my um, friend's birthday. So it took me, and as I'm 30 now, it takes me ages to recover. So I'm still kind of struggling. I've got my 20 chicken nuggets with me. So it's great. <laughs> but I, I spent the day catching up on all of my own TV series. I started watching, you know, watching Breakable Kimmy Schmidt, been watching Punisher, like just so much, you know, Graham Norton I missed on Friday. Friday night. I honestly love it. And um, it's like I started, I'm trying to actually watch a lot of films that I've never got around to watching. You know what I mean? I don't think Mm -hmm. any film critic can be perfect. You know, I'm not, I don't know everything about, you know, 70s noir, like, you know what I mean? French noir, uh, new wave or something. So uh, I've been trying to catch up on a lot of films I haven't seen before. Um, And also it just feels, you know, fresh and new. I, I mean, I love film and I don't think I could do it if I didn't love that. Maybe ask me in 
five years time yeah. maybe you're like nope i'm done get me out <laughs> <laughs> is it quite obsessional for you then do you think is it is it become like a real obsession of yours just to, to, to absorb as much as possible for sure i think i mean i wasn't one of these you know when i started out i didn't i wasn't like i'm going to be a film journalist that hasn't been you know a kind of obsession from a ch- as a as a kid i went through very it's funny though actually i was thinking about it a lot of the jobs i wanted to have were influenced by film you know i saw flipper and i wanted to be a marine biologist um <laughs> i saw i saw legally blonde and i was like right i'm going to be a lawyer um and then i just kind of realized um i did a work placement somewhere i work at so actually news international as it was before it became news uk and yeah. i think i was like at that point i think as well i might have just seen like devil wears prada or something and said, i want to do fashion journalism that sounds cool mm. it might have been how to lose a guy in 10 days but anyway that's why i knew i wanted to be a journalist but all the way through as you can tell film has been a very influential uh part of my life from you know such a young age that it was when i was finished doing my masters and kind of got into the real gritty world of trying to make it in journalism that I realized oh no it's a bit um news and current affairs is quite serious um maybe I just want to be that person who does the fluff as they (laughs) called it when I was doing my masters anything entertainment wise oh the fluff um so yeah I decided to be a fluff journalist (laughs) and did everything I could to get here and you know took me a while it's taken me seven years to get to this point uh, so yeah, so it has become a session now just because it's so great that it's part of my life. And I think to be a critic, I want to be um, as knowledgeable on the subject as I possibly can so I can see the way it's evolved and see when mm. people say, hey, this is quite derivative, this film. And I'm like, oh, but what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to be that journalist who feels, who feels they have to, you know, keep doing references and make you feel, as a reader, you feel like I don't know anything about it. But I do Mm. think there is something to be said about understanding the origins and evolutions of the medium to see why we've got to this point today. I think that really comes across in the podcasts, uh, the Talk Film podcast, because there's definitely a lot of research that goes into these, um, not anecdotal research, but there's definitely a lot of uh, information that backs up the the opinions that you and Jamie have. And you can tell just by the you know, I'm an independent podcaster, obviously, but you don't get the same kind of, um, what's the word, professionalism, I guess, from the likes of myself <laughs> and my peers. But there is definitely a different language and a, 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 such a much more of a, a pedigree, of, uh, if you like, to listening to your stuff, if I may say. Well, can I say that? It's so lovely to hear because, to be honest, I don't think that most of the time I'm doing it. I think I'm, I have a very um, stream of consciousness way of thinking. Mm. Um, so sometimes it just pops into my head a lot. I mean, you know, obviously the research, I say, I, I mean, that's very nice to say a lot of research has been done, but I think it's just, it's more, it's more about the kind of just watching films. It's mm. not... Um, you know, it's one of those things where I pick up stuff. I think it also helps that I write about a lot of the things I talk about. So if I've done a review, there might be something I've written anyway for somewhere else where I've actually been able to like analyze it a bit more. So like Suspiria was one where it was a film that I'd written a kind of review for sci-fi saying I called it the, like the film equivalent of bad sex, basically. Yeah. And kind of, And then when I actually do my review, I can actually reference that. But sometimes it's just about feelings you know what I mean how do you feel about a film because that's what it is isn't it it's about yeah, how, yeah. how does it feel and I suppose when you say to me you know you said to me before oh we talk about you know um what films that are supposed to be really crap but actually we quite like mm. that's the thing isn't it, about a crap film it doesn't matter how you know structurally bad dialogue it can be bad or whatever how does it make you feel does it make you feel happy does it make you feel sad like does it get an emotional reaction mm. you know that's kind of you know a film that's what I think makes a crap film good and why they shouldn't be sniffed at. So 
Yeah, definitely agree. I wholeheartedly agree. What I was going to say as well about the talk film podcast is it's quite different from a lot of the other kind of mainstream or um, podcast or film related podcasts out there. So you yourself and Jamie don't really pull any punches in terms of how you feel about stuff, which is quite refreshing. Yeah, I think... I just don't see the point in trying to, you know, we don't have to pander. I mean, we set this up. I mean, obviously it's part of talk, talk radio, but you know, and we, you know, a lot of the times I can see in certain ways people might have be friends with people or publications want to get interviews and all that type of stuff. We've don't really try and bother with that type of um, attitude. I think there've been times where, you know, I've, I've had a friend in a film mm. um, and <laughs> I've still given it a bad review because I can't honestly do that. But I think thing about make about film reviews, it's not about, it's not personal. You know, it's not about the person who made it unless it's, you know, someone who I believe is a terrible person. <laughs> and there's a few recently nowadays who I won't mention for legal purposes. <laughs> Don't want to get your podcast in trouble. But, um, but you know, there are certain, there, you know, when you take, when you criticize a film, you're not criticizing the person you're criticizing that the movie that they've made and yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the times you should be able to free to do that I just hate that attitude of like I want to get someone to be on the cover of a magazine so I'm going to give this film four stars when it's a two-star film the other good thing I think as well is that you, you and Jamie clash as well it's quite <laughs> nice to hear you have a yeah. not an argument but you have a pretty good discussion about what your opinions as well which is good yeah um I think that's the thing I mean one of the things I'll say about Jamie is that obviously his background was with talk radio he's presenter on there um and we used to see each other going to screenings so we used to watch it a lot and his basic thing was we were talking about you know doing a podcast he said i just don't want to have two white male voices doing a podcast again and what's great is that his his opinion on film is from a different kind of he comes from a different attitude a different background and i bring something that comes from my experience and and so i think that's a great way is that we'll listen to each other we might clash but it never comes it's never kind of you're wrong i'm right yeah, Although sometimes yeah. he jokingly says that, um, and we all know that he's wrong, and I'm always right. So, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Is there any kind of genre do you think uh, you lean more towards favourably? Is there something you might give certain films? You might. Uh, I'll rephrase that. Do you go? I know what you. Mean. Yeah, like, I think you're basically saying is there like a f- like things that I get uh, that I I like more. Therefore, so I would probably say comedy. Um, mm. And I think what I think what I would say about that is that I'm actually I, if I if I like something I laugh on it I'll give it a more favorable review. But if it's a comedy and I don't laugh, that's when I'll be like if it doesn't do the job I'll be more critical. So I hold I hold comedy in quite high regard actually. Mm. Um, so also, you know, I I'm a big superhero fan i can't help it i love marvel um i love all the films um so and actually i think the quality has improved so i am actually quite critical i have a critical on the comic book genre um i wish i could say about rom-coms because there are just not enough i wrote something last year like where they go or gone they are coming back but um i don't think they're coming back as quick as they should be because i love that genre and um i think i think um what you were saying about superhero films especially we are spoiled um rotten by this genre nowadays and it's very hard i guess to 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 not compare one film to another so recently you know you've had aquaman and venom which already before they were even released critics or some critics were gunning for and then the surprise was actually you know there was a massive audience for this kind of uh kitsch subgenre yeah, but the only thing I would say about this, and don't get me wrong, I actually liked 
interestingly with both Venom and Aquaman I liked Aquaman better than most critics did um, and I like and I didn't like Venom as much as certain critics did. do you know what I mean so for me yeah. I thought I was going to like actually I thought it was going to be reversed but I think when you're dealing with a, with, with a, a, something like Venom and Aquaman where there's already already an established fandom you know think about how big the Marvel international Marvel fandom is just from not only the comic books from the cartoons like my first taste of Venom was watching Spider-Man on a Saturday morning so I think I think it was going to make money anyway do you know what I mean I think it was always going to do same with Aquaman this is a brand new DC product where we've never seen an Aquaman movie um so it's not like you know a sequel you know what we've seen these characters before um so I think there's something to be said about that so I, I I do think that there's such a massive global fandom and established fan base for these films that it was always going to do well um and also again like you know in the grand scheme of bad films they're not bad like I think I, I saw one film that was really bad this year uh, that I didn't review actually the surviving Christmas with your family which is probably the worst film Mm. I saw last year at all. So on the grand scheme of it, you can't really knock these films when you consider the caliber of actors and stuff in it. But again, you know, money doesn't quality box stuff. It doesn't always equal quality of movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's interesting. I think, do you think we might get to a point where we're, we're slightly fatigued by this genre? We might think we want something a little bit new. Yeah, I do think we are, but I think that's because we need new new heroes. Like I, mm. for one, I'm, I'm very bored of Iron Man, Captain America, and all that jazz. I'm ready to see Kamala Khan. I'm ready to see like a new wave of superheroes telling different stories. Like again, if you think about it, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like ten years is a long time to be with these characters. Um, and and the idea that we're coming to the like, you know climax of what this whole thing has been leading towards it's like Game of Thrones. I'm honestly I just want it to end. I just want to know <laughs> yeah, yeah. who is on this bloody throne. Like I don't. I, 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 two years to wait in between films. I mean, we're lucky with the Marvels that we've got enough of them. But I think it's just about how do we change it and how do we tell different stories. I think that's the problem with DC is that we've how much of Batman do we really need? How much of Superman do we really need? And there's a whole massive universe already mm. there waiting stories waiting to be told well i was talking to matt my co-host quite recently about his daughter's really into marvel and uh she's really excited about the prospect of having a squirrel girl movie which was been um mentioned mm, previously yeah. and it's like well yeah i would i would not think obviously i'm not the right age to be reading or, or you know the right demographic potentially for that film but it doesn't mean we can't have everything that we want now based on what we can physically do on camera and what's been proven with, you know, uh, directors and the right writers when they get involved, what we can physically produce because there's some, it's quality. I mean, you, you can't knock it really. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I just think uh, I, there is just something about Hollywood in that they just want to flog a dead horse because, you know, that's the problem with this, why the rom-com genre went mm. out of fashion because what happened is that rather than continue making quality romantic comedies, they just thought we'll take the basic formula and actually push, you know, a mediocre script um, together and think anyone will watch anything. People, oh, it's fine, they'll watch that. And then you get to this caliber of like Bride Wars, you know, even though you've got Kate yeah. Hudson and Anne Hathaway in it, no one wants to watch that film because it's not a good film. So mm. it's kind of Hollywood kind of, you know, it's same with the music industry, isn't it? It's like you'll suddenly see one band comes out and then we'll see five different girl bands of the same ilk coming out. Same with Ed Sheeran came out. Suddenly we have like five other, you know, kind of uh, bland white dude singer-songwriters coming yeah. out at the same time, you know. 
it's, it's, it's what we need to be doing is making sure that we're constantly taking chances and taking risks and not this attitude of, hey, we don't want to be the first person to do it. We'll be the second person because we'll see that's done well first, you know? And I think mm-hmm. there are places like, you know, A24 is quite good in doing that. I think Marvel is improving, but, you know, again, I mean, DC just needs a massive shakeup, as we can see. Um, but you know, even again, James Wan's Aquaman, I thought it was a, I thought for a risk-taking film, I didn't like it. I didn't mind it. In fact, I liked it probably more as if you heard that episode of the podcast, I liked it far more than Jamie did. Um, mm. and we had a bit of a falling out on that one. So you mentioned the the Christmas film that you said was, was one of the, probably one of the worst films you've seen of 2018, but is there anything that you're really disappointed by that you were looking, looking forward to that didn't deliver? I think Venom is, Venom is definitely one of them. And I, and I wrote a thing about how it was more hero than villain, like anti-hero than villain. I think the way they went for it to target it for a PG-13 audience um, and really kind of um, failed to deliver the kind of actually quite savage um, characterization that Venom is. Like if you compare it to something like Upgrade or um, Split, which obviously deals with that like dichotomy, the Jekyll and Hyde type of, type of thing. I think they played up too much of the comedy in Venom. Um, so I think that was kind of very lacking. And I think it didn't really, you know, it didn't really hit for me. Um, what else is there that I may, might have been dif- disappointed with? Yeah, I can't think of it. I mean, it's pretty good. It's year. Like, yeah, it's been, it's been a great, it's been, it's been such a great year. That I'm, oh, Robin Hood. Yeah, that was, sorry, I'm just reminded. Because again, that is just, I find it ridiculously frustrating because I, um, I lived half my life in Doncaster, uh, which is, you know, ne- next to where Robin Hood, the legend, hails from. So mm. just outside Robin Sheffield. So it really frustrates me that in our whole time of Robin Hood movies, there hasn't been one with a bloody Yorkshire accent. Right. I don't know what, what Nottingham accent um, Taron was doing, but again, everyone in this Nottinghamshire that wasn't even Nottingham, that wasn't even Nottingham, seemed like you know Croatia. There was Irish, there was Scout uh, London, there's bloody Australian with Tim Minchin. I didn't, I didn't really understand that. So that was absolutely appalling film. Which this, I don't is, even um, understand. this was the the Guy Ritchie film that wasn't directed by Guy Ritchie. Is that is that right? Yeah, that that that's absolutely right. Yeah, it's just so mad, wasn't it? When you watch mm. it and you just the worst thing about doing certain things about being both a critic and an interviewer is that obviously there are times when I have to speak to them about the film mm. and it takes a lot to um you know, not to really go, I mean, look, I'm not going to go trash a movie in front of someone, but there's something about asking the right questions that I did have to, you know, I had to hold back about the accent. Uh, Who did you speak to on that one in particular? I I spoke to Taron Egerton and I spoke to the director, Otto Batterst. I did say to, I did actually say to him, I said, oh, I just for interesting about the, um, the accent profile, because obviously, you know, it still is in Nottingham, so it's still London. I do think there's a habit in Hollywood to, I mean, have you ever heard a decent Yorkshire accent done by anyone? I mean, last one I could think. But also it's ridiculous because Sean Bean is the most, is the most obvious person not to have played Robin Hood. Yeah. He's from Sheffield. <laughs> like, why has he not played Robin Hood yet? He's perfect for it. He's pretty much done everything. And, but the thing is with him, he'd have to die uh, in the film because he dies in pretty much everything, doesn't he? Brilliantly. You know what? You know what? This could be the one that says, no, he's going to live on. And also what would be great, because I don't know about Prince of Thieves is one of my fave um, one of my fave bad movies and mm. I don't actually mind Kevin Cosner's film in it because it's such a good movie but um Brian Blessed who is from Mexborough in Doncaster he could mm. still play Robin Hood's dad so we could have Sean Bean Brian Blessed um Samantha Morton could play May Marion yes it. we could do it 
there's so many options so much scopes i should you know i should pitch this movie <laughs> pitch it but it's on we're recording this now so if anyone just run away with it we can say you got there first yes and also it's robin hood so it's like it's gone past the whole of like you know rights to the rights to the story anyone can do a robin hood story maybe some people shouldn't so that's probably ha, the lesson we've learned have you been to the robin hood museum in in uh, uh nottingham i haven't and i went to nottingham university which is really bad <laughs> isn't it um no i haven't been there but um i we used to drive from doncaster to nottingham and go through Sherwood Fawcett forest the whole time and also doncaster's got the robin hood airport yeah, yeah. so Was i feel very connected yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a cracking museum. I mean, I would highly recommend it if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> I'll add it to my list of things to do. <laughs> it's in your what, list. It? Not, yeah, it's on my bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been really busy, I guess, as well, looking at Oscar nominations. Has there been any kind of real surprises to you in those noms this year? I mean, I, I find it's more those kind of like not surprised because Hollywood is crap in mm. the sense that Bohemian Rhapsody I'm annoyed that it's been nominated for so many when even objectively take away the Brian Singer baggage yes um, I thought it was objectively a badly made film that has two good things about it Rami Malek and a live aid scene which you know that was a good scene come on it's live aid of mm-hmm. course we're gonna love it and also but um I just don't understand the success of that when considering the sheer volume of great films that was out there. And especially that, once again, horror as a genre is totally overlooked. Um, I'm so frustrated by this because Hereditary and um, A Quiet Place, you know, stunning mm. films. They should be getting more recognition. But, you know, it's like I feel like this thing with the Acoscas. Is it did the Academy that they just only watch like 10, 10 films and then yeah. they just do a random guess for the other ones because that's my impression. Um, I suppose surprise was, well, happy surprise is... Um, well, I actually did pre- predict um, Yalitza Aparicio getting it for um, uh, for Roma because uh, mm-hmm. I thought she was fantastic. Um, but is it um, Marianne de Tavier, Tavera, who was a co-star okay, in it, who's yeah. got a nod for Best Supporting Actress, which was great. And that was really good to, good to see. Um, Into the Spider-Verse, obviously very happy. Should have got probably Best Picture nomination as well. Yeah, that's an amazing it, film. Yeah, one of the best, you know superhero movies of the year um i was a bit disappointed either hawk didn't get nominated for first reform because that was one of my favorite movies of last year but i have yeah. to see paul strader get a nomination um i think it was pretty you know we knew yes. what was going to get done you know i think it was pretty obvious and you kind of tell even though there's been a bit of diversification you yeah. kind of knew i knew i knew widows wasn't going to get much actually because i think about it back and i think it's one of those films where um you know, I don't, I don't think it, ha- it, it's not one of those films that kind of gets you the same way, like the emotional, um, it, it doesn't cling to you emotionally the same way that something in a more um, obvious way, like a star is born would like the favorite is like funny and there's really, really hard emotional bits in it as well. Whereas Widows is a very smooth kind of film. There's a few bits, but it's not enough to make you kind of it's a very subtle film. It's, it's, a, it's interesting. It's quite like Spotlight in a way because I don't, I don't really get the nomination for Spotlight, but I think Spotlight got nominated because of the subject matter because it was the Boston, you know, the kind of whole, you know, the Catholic church stuff with the, mm. uh, but I think actually as a film, it was quite 
there was nothing about it that really stood out um, performance-wise, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it was very safe, it was very normal. I think that's what Widows was like. There was no performances that stuck out in a really essential way that made you think, oh, wow, this is a performance. They were just good performances across the board. And a great you know? ensemble so, cast as well. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about the Oscars till the cows come in, but what we're really interested in in, in the movie bunker is you know, the Razzies. Yes. <laughs> do you ever well, pay, my, pay much attention? Pay much to attention? Yeah. I mean, I kind of have a bit of a lull on it. Although yeah. I just don't, I, I was a bit confused um, this year though, um, because mm. I don't understand. So I don't know what the, the parameters are that Donald Trump can be nominated for best actor. <laughs> is that because yeah. he lies a lot? So is that the point of it? Is that he's like, oh, he's a massive liar. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming that because the, the, the films were released and he's in them, but whether he is acting or not, is the fact that he's just, a, you know, the, yeah, being himself it's, is bad enough to be nominated. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting films um, that Kate, obviously like look at this Amber Heard in London films. God, do you remember that when it got made like three years ago? Yes, it's, it's only just got released. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I'm looking at now. I didn't get to see Sherlock Holmes. Uh, what Holmes and Watson because they refused to do screeners. Um. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Happy Time Murders. Yeah. That does not surprise me. That is a. Uh, that was, was it, not what it was hoping to be. Well, I remember seeing the the trailer. You know, talking about letdowns. I mean, I didn't go and see the film because obviously I heard the reviews and they were really bad. But it was something I was really here for. The, the trailers made it look right up my street because I love puppets. <laughs> so I like yeah. the Mr. McCarthy's it's, always funny. So. It's interesting about the trailer stuff because, you know, I think, I don't know if you've seen recently, but the Ted Bundy trailer, the extremely wicked, um, you know, the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron came out. Yes, yes. Um, and, and from the way it was presented, like the kind of, kind of snappy music, like a love story and the comedy of it, I found it kind of like odd. I was like, oh, this does, it's kind of like they're positioning him as a bit of a, anti-hero yeah. um, and I just found that a bit kind of disturbing considering he's a murderer of 30 people and it's like I get he was charismatic but then someone said it's just a, you can't judge it by its trailer but I was like but isn't that the whole point of trailers yes you know yes. I mean us when we saw Happy Time Murder seeing that trailer we're like amazing I'm really looking forward to this and, mm. and to be honest that's a mark of a good trailer to be honest if your film's that crap in the end you've done a good trailer I mean well done but if, if your your whole thing about a trailer is to judge a book judge it buy it so you're, you're not supposed to have an opinion of a film well you see that you see that on on twitter especially a lot when when a, when a trailer's dropped or someone will st- instantly the comments will be like oh i'm not seeing this because of a certain representation of a character or it doesn't look like it should do and then you know fair enough you, you can't okay you can't go all out guns blazing for something if you've not seen the full product but i think there are you have to take it for what it is, which is two and a half minutes of, of a taste of yeah. what you might possibly get. And the studios have a lot of um, input in these and the way these trailers are made and how they're compiled. And sometimes the directors and the writers got, have got little or no say in them. Is that, isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting considering when you look at something like the trailers for like Suicide Squad, you know, they're, they're, they're not a whole kind of, um, have you seen this kind of thing in trailers now where there's, they take a, do a cover, but they do like a really like, deep and emotional cover version of, I don't know, yeah, yeah, Elton yeah. John song or something like that. I think, I, I think it's more of a case of if you've got a trailer, um, and depending on the subject, context is obviously everything. But if I see a trailer where it looks like 
you know, it's, it's okay. And it's great example is like, you know, Deadpool 2, how they made it into a rom-com. You know, mm-hmm. they did the rom-com trailer, which is quite interesting. I find it quite interesting because, you know, obviously the film isn't really a rom-com in the traditional sense, but how actually the way you make something can change your opinion of it, change your your perceived perception of it. And I felt with the extremely wicked one, I was like, it seems the way it's been presented is if like this guy, we were supposed to feel for him. We're supposed mm-hmm. to kind of get emotionally attached to him and follow his journey. And I just don't think Ten Bundy is the type of guy yeah. who should be doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- th- there are so many... Um films on this worst picture list that uh, I've not actually seen but just shiver the only one I've seen on this worst picture is Winchester because we did it for our podcast that came out today actually did have you seen the Helen Mirren Winchester film um I keep meaning to watch it but I heard really bad things about it so I haven't really got into it I wouldn't well obviously I wouldn't bother pay, pay invest your time in something else it's just a shame it's such a great premise for a movie uh based on Sarah Winchester and the uh, the Winchester rifle and her her, her issues that she was having with uh, depression possibly and, and uh, you know, psychotic episodes where she was creating and rebuilding her house uh, based on what she thought was, you know, being spoken to by the dead or victims by, of the Winchester rifle. And what they essentially did was just turn it into a, a massive jump scare film with a, 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 a ludicrous mm. part when they could have explored so much more uh, into the, uh, the physical story. But anyway. Uh, yeah i don't know i think it's one of those it's just it's 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 an interesting thing isn't it um with trailers and, and winchester i mean again was that winchester's on nominated list isn't it yes on it is razzies. yeah 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 on the oh, razzies yeah. oh. <laughs> oh, on the razzies no i think the razzies are quite fun i mean i find awards anyway just a bit um annoying because it creates losers out of you know people for no reason i mean yeah. considering how many great films there are it's annoying that this is kind of like level of um kind of expectations like does because it doesn't win a nomination or award doesn't mean it's not a good performance but you know yeah, this, is what, this is the way it is <laughs> yeah but out of all these films there are people that have probably did a good turn in them you know not every and not every element to a, 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 nomin- uh, a Razzie nominated film is going to be awful I mean you know you could say the cinematography of, of Winchester was good it had really good set and it was lovely sound design I thought was one of the things I took away from it I mean it wasn't all bad but yeah it was it was flawed heavily flawed but you could say the same you know Nomeo and Juliet is not a film for an adult to see uh, in, in, I know they make a lot of kids films for adults as well. Cause they want to keep the adults entertained when they're taking the kids. But my, my two went to see that film with their, with their grandpa, with a grandparent and they loved it. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's horses. Well, I, I just don't, yeah. Well, I just don't understand why Bohemian Rhapsody didn't get any Razzies. Cause <laughs> let's be real. That should have got best worst picture for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah. Is it because of the, the, the way they played with the the whole Freddie Mercury narrative and how and what they decided to include and not include, or I mean, not just that. I just found it very eye rolling. I mean, there's you know this this scene where okay, where's this? Let's think. Okay, there's a scene where Brian May has this massive revelation about how we introduced audience clapping on "We Will Rock You," yeah. which is like the dumps. Like, okay, great. That's a, re- a really dull moment. I'm really glad we saw that. Add that one in. Um, there's also <laughs> the fact that. When 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 Freddie supposedly got his HIV diagnosis, some kid outside just goes, "Oh," and then he sings back, "Oh." It's like, what on really? earth? <laughs> yeah, that that scene. I was like, 
that didn't happen and come on that's ridiculous there's also the bit the whole i found the whole mike myers thing just like ridiculous as well and even like the nod to it that kind of annoyed me the nod to the um wayne's world yeah that was annoying i just saw everything about it i just don't i mean i think rami malik's good i liked him in it but i just felt the whole the whole the way it was written the dialogues i mean and all the kind of historical inaccuracies just to create a story like a fabrication of a story that doesn't even do this do it justice i mean you know someone said something really well they said that the queen um it's the same way that the Queens try to down, they try to downplay Freddie's sexuality. They've done the same for the film. Right. Okay. So it's like, they're the, so as in the same way they downplay Queen's sexuality in real life, they've done the same for this film. And I think they do that. And that's, I think that's a valid criticism. Um, I also find that there's literally the fact that they use the, say, you know, P word like, um, three times, mm. um, um, which and don't really go into the nuance or in discussion of how he felt about his ethnic identity. Mm. Um, I found that really unnecessary, especially where one of the times it was in a TV interview that his manager, his ex-manager, you know, the one who played by Alan Leach, gave. But it's actually that was a son, that was a son tabloid story, not a TV interview. But anyway, okay. so yeah, so there's a lot about it that I uh, didn't like, apart from the fact that it's just a load of bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about some really bad films some films that obviously, you know, as a critic, you have to, um, I guess, critically review. That sounds crap. <laughs> but what about films that you think, you know, you've not necessarily gone along with your peer. So maybe, uh, you know, guilty pleasures or, or something that you, you know, has been critically panned by other reviewers or other people, but you've, you've actually found like really rewarding in some way. Um, I love the Meg. I don't care what anyone says. Um, I thought the Meg was exactly what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a shark film. I think it had the right level of comedy, um, but also action. I know it's ridiculous. I know Jason Statham swimming away from a megalodon is quite mad, but <laughs> I love it. He punches it in the face as well, doesn't he? Yeah, does he? I don't know. Does he I do that? Heard, I don't remember. I, that. I mean, punches it in the face, which is a kind of real safer thing to do, right? Have you seen it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember a punch in the face thing. I don't think, you know, it's kind of, it is on the ridiculous. I mean, but I think, I think there's certain, like, I love the shot. I love the shot genre, um, shot B-movie genre anyway. Although I haven't watched Sharknado or any of those lots because that's just too ridiculous. That's too far. I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't mind like, like intelligent sharks, like in Deep Blue Sea or like Blake Lively battling oh, a shark brave. that a yeah. shark that seemingly just wants to eat everyone even though if you great i mean it's kind of actually really harsh on great white sharks because they don't normally just eat someone and they just eat everyone if in acidity they go off because they don't need to eat that much food but anyway no. again yeah. i'll let it off they're because, good like you know, that <laughs> <laughs> but i love it and i think you know i like this one because i like race rain wilson as well and i just thought there was a really nice like balance of the kind of action that you want um, the kind of stupid kind of joke, the kind of cheesiness of it, you know. Mm. And I and I think I think again, there's certain films that you're not meant to take too seriously. Of you're not course. supposed to say this is a fine work of art, you know. I mean, so you could look back. I mean, not saying this is on the same level as Jaws, but there are certain scenes that are a bit like ridiculous about it. That when you look back, you're like, oh god, that's a bit, uh, you know, in a, in a from this from this point of view, from this from the years since, what's it been like, forty years or something since that came out. 
yeah, it's yeah, 50, it 40, 50 years. But anyway, I just think I, I, I enjoy it. And sharks are for me are one of the best kind of like horror movie kind of genres, the sub genres uh, that I will not hear anything against. So the Meg, give it a shout. I love it. Yeah, the Meg. I think that's a good one. It got five point seven on IMDb, but you know what do they know? Oh my god! Wow, that is unnecessarily low because some people really like to be really harsh don't they on certain yeah, I things they've got nothing else to do I mean, it's, a P- it's a pg-13 film i mean what what, what are you going to get from that i mean i'm sorry that- but there's a yeah the marketing campaign as well was amazing do you see the little dog the little dog was the, the hero right <laughs> yeah that little dog terrier was like one of the most redeeming things of that movie so yeah but i will say this i saw it on um in 4g yeah i said 4g is that what they call it in the cinemas yeah, it's, basically it's, it's, yeah yeah, it's that where it goes all around the screen, but it doesn't. I was like, this is not worth the money. Um, this is my, my commitment to seeing the Meg. I didn't get to go to a screening of it, but I did pay to see it at City World at um, the O2, and the only screening they had was those that one. And it just kind of takes up, takes the kind of like immersive experience away. We can see a fire exit sign in the space of a megalodon's eye. So uh, yeah, no, don't no. really recommend uh, it that. Didn't- didn't the press screenings have this film where they set it in a swimming pool or something, and you had you could yeah. watch it on Lilo's? Yeah, I could have gone to that, but it was raining. And also, <laughs> I don't want to watch something on a lilo at night in winter. Like, no. I, I just, sometimes you have these screenings and you're kind of like, just give me a normal screening room, guys. You don't have to do it this this hard, you know. But anyway, yeah. some people liked it. Uh, I'm glad I didn't do that one. <laughs> right, so we're going to, we'll give a shout out to the Meg. So that's a good one. Have you, anything else? Okay, so um, Girl in a Spider's Web. Mm-hmm. I thought I re- I actually really enjoyed that, um, and I know that it didn't get it had mixed reviews, yeah, or mixed to low reviews, which I was surprised by because as a kind of espionage kind of spy spy game type of thing, I thought it was quite slick. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. read the book, and I'm not a big like Stieg Larsson fan. I mean, I enjoyed the um, new movie Rapace um, films. And I think Rooney Martin, the David Finchner one, was very good. But I actually yeah. thought it was actually, I really kind of like the stylized action sequences, like the bit where she says, have you seen it? Just so. No, well, I've seen it. I've seen the other two. I've seen all the other films, bar this uh, this. Bar version. this one. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a bit, clip in the trailer where she's jumping into the like bath to escape a flames, which mm. is really, I think it's really well done. And there's this whole kind of final act sequence where basically they're trying to, you know, I don't want to give too much away to you because I feel like you That's should okay. see this and not get, get ruined. But basically, there's a lot of really good, like I think Claire Foy is a great actress. It's really great seeing her um, in this role. She's actually pretty tough and I she's growing on me a lot. I liked her in First Man. Um, I wasn't a fan of Unsane, but I think she was good in it. Um, and I think in this one, she really nailed the kind of the Elizabeth kind of role. And there's just mm. this really great bit, really set up sequences where, you know, there's this like sn- sniper who's able to kind of, who's able to map the whole of the building and they, and like pinpoint people's heat signatures and take them out. And yeah. it's just such a great, you know what I mean? It's proper born. It felt very born like in, um, in its delivery. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised it got bad. Reviews. Yeah, it's got 6.1, which is, isn't that bad considering it's very hard to get anything above seven on IMDb anyway. It's got to be absolutely uh, bonkers brilliant to get anything like that uh, above an eight or a seven. So it, it, I know I remember hearing the reviews about it and people saying it was reasonably good and that she did a good turn in it, but it was ultimately uh, just a bit too actiony, but which I find quite difficult to to believe based on the fact that there's loads of action and as you say, kind of espionage, any uh, spy elements to the novels anyway. 
she is a yeah. bit of a superhero anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, she. I think she said she didn't like the superhero label, which I can't imagine. But it wasn't. It wasn't a kind of. Um, action that there aren't consequences i think there's a lot of thing in action films and i find it quite difficult sometimes it's like you know you don't really see them the pain of them going down do you know what i mean it's like there's consequences to the violence um and i think a lot of action films don't show that but i think that showed it really well and i just thought it was you know again it's nice to have a shame there isn't more women around her obviously Mm because it does feel a bit well, I like Lakeith Stanfield and who else? I'd, I also quite found it interesting that they, I like the fact they cast a younger guy to play um, the journalist and uh, Mikael Blomqvist. Oh, no, no, that's, yeah. a, that's a real person, isn't it? Blomqvist? No, no, that's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, Mikael Blomqvist. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, I was like, is that a real person? <laughs> but again, because obviously Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara, the age gap there was kind of ridiculous. And then... Um, when who the first was it film was even... Uh, I don't ask me who... Was it... Was it um, Oh, what's his name? Oh, God. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Was it him? Or no, not? it wasn't him, but it was someone very similar. But yeah, it, there was a... Even no, bigger... Stellan Skarsgård was in the Rooney Mara one. He played the bad guy. Spoiler yes, that's alert. right. But he, yeah. he um, the, the, the age gap in the first film was, was bigger than the Daniel Craig uh, version. Yeah. So I quite like the fact that they are similar in age because I kind of get bored of kind of seeing super old dudes um, romancing 20 year olds or like being the kind of thing. It's it's a bit odd. Um, So yeah, so that's uh, another one I quite enjoyed. Put you on the spot a little bit here, uh, Hannah, but is there a film that, that you think we should try and delve into in the bunker and watch next or in a future episode that is really bad in your, by your reckoning that we should try and find some redeeming features to? I'll put you on the spot Maybe. there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let me think. So actually, I don't know. I think, again, I think it didn't, it didn't do the best reviews at the time, but I'm writing about it now. Legend, because I actually, I know it's a bit random and out there, but I actually think it deals with these really dark, like dark fairy tales kind of like imagery and themes in a really good way. And for me, this sounds really random, but you know, everyone's like one of those movies or characters, something where like stirs, mm. stirs them up sexual, like sexual awakenings. Do you know what I mean? Some people are like, Oh yeah. Uh, seeing Simba. I was really fancy Simba. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think legend for me did that, especially that there's a dance sequence at the end, which funnily enough is directed by Arlene Phillips of strictly come dancing. Um, oh, wow. Fame. Uh, but yeah, but that whole sequence of her dancing with her, um, dark self because she's princess lily is like this where's white and she's you know that kind of whole sequence in there i just thought it was just so brilliantly done to show like how that fairy tale element of like brothers Grimm. Mm. i don't know if you read like angela carter as well like a lot of her fairy stories are these kind of dark interpretations and um ridley scott really worked hard on kind of looking into that element and trying to recreate it obviously they spent a little bit too money money on the um on the actual set because apparently he went well over budget on that set. But I think it's quite a good one. And I mean, I'm a bit of a Tom Cruise stan actually. So yeah, well, this is, this film. is a uh, Tom Cruise pre dental work as well, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, actually now you look, now you said that I watched it every day. Maybe I need to take a close look at his dental work, <laughs> but again, no. And also it's, it's Tom Cruise not, you know, he's not doing ridiculous stunts. It's kind of like, you know, he's doing very cl- normal kind of thing and he's like a little lush little little forest forest boy called jack well, the, de- the devil um, creature as well is um is, is tim curry tim curry yes exactly he's yeah uh, very frightening in this as well brilliant yeah 
I just think it's just a very cool little fantasy drama, and I think yeah. I quite en- I quite enjoyed the little um, the goblins and like the fairies. There's just such a uh, kind of quirky element that kind of delves into the darker side of fantasy that you know that I get thinking about it at the time. You know, it came came out in 1985. So what else is around? Maybe like labyrinth. Yeah, yeah you had one, all of those. Like, you know, you got. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, it was a great era for the fantasy genre. So, uh, The Dark Crystal is one of my all time favorite films. Yeah, Labyrinth, you say, and you've got Kroll. Oh, my uh, God, Kroll. Let's talk about that, that. That boomerang thing. Which oh, was amazing. it's an amazing film. I know it's a Kroll's bit. Kroll's great. It hasn't potentially aged that well. Like, I mean, I guess like this one, but in terms of the, nos- the, the sheer nostalgia that creates uh, with the, with the um, Cyclops dude and the, the Shire horses yeah. that run with the fire and all that jazz. It's amazing, that film. I love it. I, I just think it's great seeing things that, you know, without the CGI, you know, like yeah, this yeah. is what they were doing at the time. Like there's that crazy, in the legend, there's that crazy witch who um, they end up, you know, they need, I can't remember what they're trying to get from, but there's this disgusting rich, which is also really scary. Mm. Um, and it actually kind of, you know, I just think uh, seeing these films, seeing these classics, I mean, I had all these on VHS and I used to watch them like mm. ridiculously, like a lot. So I just think, you know, maybe looking back on it, you kind of think what it's, maybe it didn't deliver it in the best way, but I still think what it tried to do, like taking risks, I think. I enjoy films that take risks and aren't trying to repeat things that we've seen before. So I'm very defensive of M. Night Shyamalan because I think what he does, especially when it's his own money, the mm-hmm. last three films in his own money, like we should be celebrating directors that take risks and don't try and copy the same formula of saying, hey, we're doing Die Hard, but, you know, in Hong Kong. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're yeah. doing Jaws, but in, you know, Cornwall. But, you know what I mean? We need to be um, be able to look into try and make, make changes and make big, bolder steps with filmmaking and try and expand it and evolve it. And maybe we'll get some, you know, flops on the way. But it's trial and error, isn't it? We can learn from that. Absolutely. What a fantastic way to win the podcast. Oh, there you go. There you go. Thank you so much. I'm that glad really that I was thinking, you know, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, give me a 10. I won't ruin it now by carrying on. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. No, no, it's been really good. And, and um, we'll dig out Legend. I'm, I'm a bit worried about Legend being a little bit too good. That's the only problem because I've got really good memories of it. So, well, maybe we'll look at the, the, the kind of the 1980s uh, uh, fantasy genre in because they always come up on my list in uh, Netflix. So I'm bound, they're bound, it's bound to be a real stinker in there somewhere that we can have a look at and try and find it. And you, I know yeah. you're an avid listener of our podcast, so you can look out for that. Oh my God, absolutely. But also you can show your kids, you can watch it with your kids, yes. can't you? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I feel like I watched it when I was like, must have, because I was born in 88, so it wouldn't have been straight away, but maybe I was like five or six. So, you know, when you're a kid, so you kind of like certain, certain type of genres that went, that's the kind of certain things go over your head. So a yeah. lot of stuff. But anyway, yeah, I think it'd be a really good one. So like, I will listen out for when you do it. Um, and if <laughs> I don't get a positive reaction, um, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've had so many lawsuits already in terms of disagreeing <laughs> with these uh, critics. But um, where can we find you on, on Tinternet and things? What's your uh, handles? Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, so it's at Hannah Flint. I don't have an H on the end of my name. Uh, it's like Hannah the film with Saoirse Ronan, which is soon going to be made into a TV series. TV series. Yeah. yeah, based on, actually it's based on my life. I didn't know <laughs> if you know that. 
my early life, I was, um, I am a genetically enhanced spy who sacked, sacked it all off to become a film critic. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at Hannah Flint, you can find me on Twitter mainly. Yeah, I'd probably say that's about it because, you know, my Instagram is basically just selfies or um well, that's okay that's so what yeah. it's there for uh and the, yeah. <laughs> the, talk, the talk film podcast oh yeah so sorry, yeah oh my god yeah weekly sorry i should probably plug that one as well it's at that's easier that's at talk film so do follow um if you want weekly film reviews and actually um wait a sec when's this out so this episode will come out on next sunday <laughs> hopefully all being well yeah if i can get the edit done. okay well well then you'll you'll just be if you get out to it you'll see i've just interviewed richard e grant so um oh. that'll be a nice little interview so yeah thanks ever so much hannah for joining us in the thanks. bunker thank you so you gave me a challenge i did so i did the top five films i want to see as a remake and then you said challenge me to a challenge matthew yeah i challenge you to this challenge i challenge you to name Five sports that you'd like to see made into a movie. Yeah. And then some deal around it. Yeah. So with me, okay, sports ain't my thing, okay? So I I struggled with this. I didn't, okay, I struggled thinking, like, what could I do? And I thought, I know, I, I don't just not like sports, but I don't know anything about sports. Oh, right. So, but then I do know things that are mildly sporty. Ooh. So I think I've got some good stuff for you. Okay. Here. But not only have I got films that sporty films but i've got pretty much the whole plot and characters outlined as well Fuck so, me. and you you need to get involved with this and help me as well right, so, so then we need to do the disclaimer that. like if anyone takes any of these ideas and yeah, makes them yeah, into yeah. a multi-million dollar film yeah. then uh, then then we need some kickbacks at absolutely. least at least a t-shirt absolutely <laughs> yeah 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 so film number one well should we five film number five film number five i'm going down from number five to one okay in at five in at five is highland games Ooh. The Highland Games are noted for their unique sporting and athletic events, many of which involve throwing and lifting. These include the shot put, tug of war, caber toss and hammer throw, collectively known as heavy events. Okay, So if you didn't know what Highland Games are, there you go. I think the caber toss is the, the quintessential Highland Which is the big game. long... <laughs> and it just goes... Yeah, so it's a, it's a tree trunk essentially. Yeah. So this is the premise of the film, or the the plot synopsis. A group of misfit carpenters enter the Highland Games in order to save their cherished local whiskey distillery from the onslaught of a corporate gin conglomerate. Wow. All they need is veteran caber tosser Scotty McTavish, played by Dwayne Johnson. Not all racist. <laughs> to whip them into shape. Yes. Okay. Wow, I mean, like, The Rock can save everything, but... Exactly. I don't know if The Rock could do Scotty McTavish. But... I think it could. It would be a, a, a it would be ironic, <laughs> ironic, ironic. <laughs> okay, so that's film number five. I would uh, watch that. It sounds good, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, the rock in yeah. the kilt. Okay, so the next one, film number four, is in at four. Curling. Now, curling is a sport. Oh, in... You going with the the cold sports? Aren't yeah, you? yeah. Curling is a sport in which players slide stones on a sheet of ice towards a target area, which is segmented into four <laughs> concentric circles. It is related to bowls, bowls, and shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Yeah. <laughs> the plot synopsis. Okay, it's right. a group of misfit cleaners enter curling. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> No, no, Why are these out. always misfits? Hear me out. Hear me out. A group of misfit cleaners <laughs> enter a curling tournament. 
curling tournament in Las Vegas in order to save their cherished local pub from the onslaught of a corporate gastro pub chain. I know what this is going to be. All they need is veteran curler Ice Ickle, played by Jerry Butler, to whip them into shape. Oh, man, I thought it was just going to be the rock again. <laughs> no, the rock. I'm trying to Every vary it up. So does that Who's going to be Jerry Butler? Surely! Ow, fuck! <laughs> no, no, Jerry, Gerard Butler plays yeah. Ice Ickle. Ice Ickle, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't he be better in the Scotland one? Well, there you are, no. <laughs> exactly, but I decided, I thought, no. Let's, no. let's get, him out, with, get him out of his comfort zone. So Plenty of water about as well, in case he gets a bit exactly. thirsty. Yeah, that's got legs, I think you'll find. <laughs> yeah, all right. Film number three. Cheese rolling. Wow. The Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling and Wake is an annual event held on the Spring Bank Holiday at Cooper's Hill near Gloucester, Gloucester in England. It is traditionally held by and for the people who live in the local village of Brockwell. They chuck the cheese. I've seen this. They luzz it down the road. And it Glo- goes miles. But now people from all over the world take part. Yeah. Which I think is the key thing. Serious now. So here is the plot synopsis. A group of misfit delicatessen <laughs> employees enter a Las Vegas cheese rolling tournament in order to save their cherished local cheese shop from the onslaught of a corporate supermarket chain. All they need is veteran cheese roller Wensley Dale, played by <laughs> Ian McKellen, to whip them into shape. Go on, do it. Do it. Do it. What you must do is become one with the cheese, you see. I have become simply cheese and a roll, you see. <laughs> so, yes. Now, that's got legs. That's, oh, that's going to go down. So, what are we on now? Film number two. Now, I love. How can it get better than cheese? I ran out of a little bit of steam here. Okay. So I need you to help me with this one. But right. this is the premise, okay? It's race walking. Race walking or race walking is a long distance discipline within the sport of athletics. Although Ooh. it is a foot race, it is different from running in that one foot must appear to be in contact with the ground at all and times. They, they they judge this like a motherfucker. Yes, like this is assessed by race judges. Yes, yes. I've seen now, these. It would be easy to People say that disqualified. This it w- yeah, it would be easier to say that this this the premise of the film would be like a group of misfit um I don't know, dog walkers um enter a, a Las Vegas race walking tournament and to also save the pamper pooches yeah yeah, yeah. From, okay so we I mean I ran out of steam I thought maybe I'm taking this premise a little bit too far but, I, but right. who who could be cast as the like you know the veteran race walker in this film veteran someone race from walker. our maybe back catalogue of movies Mark Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg Mark Wahlberg it is then but yeah so yeah that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> so, film number one. In at one! Is The Venky's Chicken. Wow. So, I've not gone with a sporting <laughs> event. I've gone with a sporting incident. Because you said it could be... Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, the Chariots of Fire wasn't yep. necessarily about athletics. It was about somebody winning that race. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So, The Venky's Chicken. There was a serious case of foul play. <gasps> sorry about the pun there. <laughs> during Blackburn's meeting with Wigan. In May 2012, when a chicken strode on the pitch wearing a tiny chicken-sized cape, the little clucker was released as a protest to Rover's owners, Benkeys. Yes, they're the chicken people. The Indian chicken processing magnates. Yes. The same thing happened again a few months later during a match with Burnley. Uh, The chicken, it would be an animation, okay, okay. and the chicken would be voiced by Ryan Reynolds. That's That's gold. Yeah. That'll sell. Yeah, it's a little chicken with a cape. Voiced by Ryan Reynolds doing a pitch invasion. 
Yeah, twice. Twice. That's all you need. I'm happy with that. I think the one I would want to watch is number five, unfortunately, which is weird. The first one? You thought that was worse. The Highland Games. The Highland Games of the Rock. Well, I think they're all brilliant. They're all brilliant. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong, Chris. I'm not saying they're not all brilliant. But if I had to, if I had like, if all of those films cost £20 million each to make, yeah, yeah. and I was sat here with £20 million, it's like, you've got, you'd have to put a gun to it, obviously. Yes. You've yes. got to finance just one of these films. Yes, yes. I'd go, like, Get the rock on the floor. <laughs> Get the rock. We, he's, yes, I think he would be up for it. But I, I think maybe the most one we could probably, the one we could make probably most easiest would be the the cheese rolling one because cheese roller. Um, it's local, yeah, ish, uh, and you know there's cheese around. Me and McKellen just loves a bit of cheese. I love cheese. For sure. So yes, I hope you enjoyed the. And I know I need to now bat something back at you, you for do. the next episode. But I'm trying to. I was thinking on the way in the car to your very manner here. Oh, what well, I could choose and I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> so, if we, we stick to the top fives. So, I was thinking, though, we could choose yes. top five TV serials or programs yeah. that could be made into film versions. Right. Or, or filmed up, if you like. Filmed up. And at least one of them has to have the rock in it, right? It's optional, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> is it optional? No, I don't think it's it not optional. It's not. Not if you want to make bank in the cinema. No. Put so your fucking rock in it. You get on that. I'll get on it. Challenge accepted. So, as per usual, make sure you get involved on our social media outlets, uh, which will all be in the uh, in the show notes. And also, like, subscribe, and give us a rating. It would be much appreciated. But yeah. see you on the next podcast. Goodbye. Take care. Love you. I don't know. <laughs> it's too soon for that. Bye-bye. <laughs>